Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Instead of living by faith and not by sight, Samson was one of those living by sight and not by faith. He was a man who was led by the lust of his eyes, as most people are today. Everybody judges a book by its cover. They never look at it. takes time to find out what's under the cover. It takes time to look past the page of the table of contents. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learn that Samson was demanding his mother and father approve of this desire to marry a Philistine woman. In demanding a Philistine wife, Samson showed a sinful disregard for his parents and for God's will. Bound by romantic feelings, there are many people who still demand from God a mate out of God's will. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5-7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Trust in God and leave all the consequences to Him. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Take heed to yourself, Exodus 34, verse 12, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going. Where you are going lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, you shall break down their sacred pillars, you shall cut down their wooden images, for you shall worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Boy, that's another word we don't like. In our culture, the word jealous means, you know, when we think of jealous, we think of a man who's full of rage. And to think that God is jealous for you. I I don't know about you, but that, that touches my heart, to think that He loves us so much that he is fierce about his love for you. And isn't that the real, uh, the real bottom line of any man toward a wife or a man toward a girlfriend, for, in, for instance, when, when he sees another man looking at his wife and maybe he's even better looking than the husband is. And then maybe the wife looks over and goes, wow, he's got, he's got a full head of hair. Skinny jeans. The guy's got like everything. It's just like you know these nice little you know thin frame glasses. He's driving a Harley Davidson on Wednesdays. Then the Aston Martin on Thursdays. <laughs> but notice, but God is a jealous God, and He says, "Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods, and one of them invites you and and you eat." of his sacrifice, and you take of his daughters for your sons, and his daughters play the harlot with their gods, and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. 
And so this is exactly what is happening with Samson. He's looking at this, this woman who's from a, a, a race of people whom God has pronounced judgment upon. And he is in love with her or in lust with her. Big difference, right? Love and lust. Our culture doesn't know the difference. Hollywood doesn't know the difference. They call love, love is a big paintbrush. It's a big swath. But most of the time it just means lust. You know, real love is something that's really wonderful to watch. And we used to be an elderly couple used to sit right there, actually. Rick and Bunny Marini, they were both in their 90s. They're both home with the Lord now. But I remember years ago, them sitting here. And uh, I remember um, after the service, they'd get up, and after all those years, they'd been married for like over 65, I think 69 years they were married. And here I am, you know. They'd been married, you know, two decades longer than I've been alive. And I see them hold hands and walk out together. And I thought to myself, wow, you know. And just the way he treated her. And the love that he had for her. It was a decision. It was a, an act of the will. It wasn't, you know, I've seen pictures when they were both young. And they were both outstanding. You know, he was a pilot in World War II. And both of them looked dynamite, you know. Both of them just really beautiful looking people when they were, you know, I mean physically when they were younger. And as we get old, we know the flower fades, right? At least on the outward flower. The inward flower continues to grow. And yet such a wonderful uh, exemplary showcase they were to us, to me. But notice what happens in, 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 uh, in 2 Corinthians. What does it say in chapter 6? Uh, let me just read it to you for the sake of time. And it begins in verse 14. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Because now Samson is looking in this other field. He's looking at the Philistine women. And you'll notice that as we look at Solomon's life, he doesn't cease to look at Philistine women. He, he doesn't, there's, the, the women of his own tribe, of even of the tribes of Israel, are not even on his radar screen. The first one that he, he's, he marries is, is this woman from Timnah. And then later on in the next chapter, we're going to read about Delilah. And she was another Philistine woman. What is wrong with this picture? Where did Samson go wrong? He was unequally yoked. God had told him to marry among his own tribe. And they did that for a variety of reasons, to keep the inheritance in the land so that the land would not go to foreigners. And that's what's so unique about Israel and the Jews themselves. They always kept it within the tight group. And that's admirable, actually. But Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, he says, verse 17, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And as we look at Samson's life in this chapter and the next two chapters, we're going to see that he was definitely unequally yoked. He definitely touched the unclean thing, and we'll, we'll look at that as we go. In fact, all of this vow that he had taken, this Nazarite vow, 
One of the things that they weren't supposed to do is to have anything to drink of, of wine or anything of the grape. I mean, even a raisin, a grape, a wine from the grape. We're to refrain from that. You weren't supposed to touch a dead body. You weren't supposed to cut your hair. It was usually something that men took on themselves as a Nazarite vow. This was given to him by the Spirit of God before he was even born. So he's supposed to let his hair grow and not ever cut it. And notice that his parents, for whatever reason, as we read there in chapter uh, 3, they weren't, they were um, unwilling to forbid this rebellion. He gets his parents into it, wants to go down to Timnah and take this woman to wife. They just rolled over and gave in to his desires. You know, but such was the moral temperature of the time. It says this in the very last chapter of Judges, uh, Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. What does it say? It says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that really sums up the whole period of Judges. There was no king yet. Because Saul hadn't come on the scene. And certainly David hadn't come on the scene. But everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so was Samson. He was, he was right there along with them. Doing what felt good. Have you ever heard that phrase, if it feels good, do it? There's a phrase I grew up with. If it feels good, do it. Well, let me tell you something. We all learn the hard way. And I hope that the young people of this church don't have to learn the things that many of us have learned in this room. You know, that there's, there's no reason to go through that. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but to, you know, if it feels good, do it. Believe me, we're setting ourselves up for a, a, a wonderful fall. And it's not a good thing. But notice at the end of verse 3, it says... He says, get her for me, for she pleases me well. This phrase literally means she is right in my eyes. She is right in my eyes. I've seen her, I've examined her, and wow. Reminds me of Pepe Le Pew looking at that little cat. Remember in the cartoon? This was Samson. But that's literally what it means. When it says she pleases me well, literally what it means is she was right in my eyes. She was right in my eyes. And we see this in verse 7 below. We'll see that very same phrase again. And this is precisely one of Samson's biggest problems. Instead of living by faith and not by sight, Samson was one of those living by sight and not by faith. He was a man who was led by the lust of his eyes, as most people are today. Everybody judges a book by its cover. They never look at it. takes time to find out what's under the cover. It takes time to look past the page of the table of contents. It takes time to open the cover of the book, to read the first couple chapters, pick a couple chapters in the middle, look at chapters at the end, maybe read the bibliography and the notes at the end, and you find out what somebody's like, but not so with Samson, not so with most people today. They don't want to take the time. And this was a problem for Samson and a problem for many today, just always looking on the outward appearance. Isn't that what... The Lord said to Samuel, he says, the Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. Man, look, you know, God looks on the heart. In 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, it says this, Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Now we know that the world, we're talking about the world system here. We, you know, when we think about the world, it's not just the world itself. 
you know, you can love plants and you can love the beauty of the earth and there's nothing wrong with those things. But loving the systems of the world, loving the things that are in the world, that's a whole different thing. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and here he lists them, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is what? It is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever abides forever and there is what samson failed at so miserably all three of these things the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life we're going to see those things as we read his life and yet he's in the book of hebrews in proverbs chapter 6 it says this and guys as we look at samson let's look at this let me just read it to you proverbs 6 verse 24 one of the reasons for uh, for Solomon writing the Proverbs was to keep you. He's speaking to his son. This was written for his son. I wonder if it was written for Rehoboam. The whole book of Proverbs, I wonder if it was written specifically for Rehoboam himself. Because he says, one of the reasons he wrote this, he says, is to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. And so these are important things. Samson was not a man who was careful about these things. And many men today, even pastors of churches, and this is one thing I'd encourage you to pray for those, not only in government leadership, but in spiritual leadership. Pray for the men. Ladies, guys, pray for each other. Pray for the men. Pray for the men. We live in Sodom and Gomorrah. Our world, our country, There is so much uncleanness, and God calls us to holiness. He's called us to holiness. Will you take that charge, guys? Ladies, will you take that charge to walk in purity, to walk in holiness? You remember what happened to to David in 2 Samuel chapter 11 as he was on top of his house when he should have been at war. It was a time when kings were supposed to go to war. It was a good time of the season where it was a drier season. There wasn't a lot of rain. There wasn't a lot of those uh, you know, environmental issues. They would go out to war then because it was favorable to do such. But David stayed home one night. You remember how it got him into trouble. He was on top of his house and he looked and like Samson, he saw a woman Kind of ironic, her name was Bathsheba, because that's exactly what she was doing. She was taking a bath. Bathsheba. And David saw her. And he brought her to his home. A married woman. His own, one of his own guys in the army was out fighting the battles. And he takes his, this man's wife. And you know, this, you know the historical event. It's not a story. This happened. And Samson was just like that. And we, unfortunately, we see this thing over and over again being played out in the lives of men and women all around the world and in our country and even, unfortunately, in the church. And folks, it has to stop. We, have to, we can't let this 
uh, this cancer continue. Verse 4 in our text tonight, he says, But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion, that God was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. So, uh, for, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. And when it says of the Lord, you know, because they were going to go down to Timnah, and the parents are just going to uh, they're going to go along with Samson's desire. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord. This phrase of the Lord is so interesting because it literally means, uh, or I believe it means that it was not the Lord's perfect will because the Lord does not tempt anyone with evil, neither is he tempted of any man. Man is tempted when he is you know, uh, taken uh, by something, he sees, and then he has to act upon it. And the end of that thing ultimately is what? It's death. But this was God's, he allowed it. He allowed this to happen. It wasn't his perfect will. It was of the Lord. Because see, the thing we have to remember is that God is outside of time. He's not confined to time like you and I. The Bible says in Isaiah 57, I think it's verse 15, Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. He inhabits eternity. That means that he sees time as if it is already completed. He sees it all in front view of him. He, are, he, he can see, believe it or not, even right now, he can see the creation and he can see the very end. He can see everything in between and he knows every single life, every single thought, every single action. He knows it in advance. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. He cannot learn anything. And so he knows all of this about us. Read Psalm 139. It talks about his omniscience. He knows everything. That's encouraging to me because I know he loves me. And he knows what I'm going to do tomorrow. He knows the thought I'm going to think next week. And he knows that about you too. And if he loves me like that now, isn't that great confidence? Because if I knew that about you, I probably wouldn't be hanging out with you. (laughs) And if you knew that about me, you'd probably be like, I can't believe he's going to think that tomorrow. I'm leaving this service. Right? But God knows, and yet his love is so wonderful and perfect. So this, you know, by his father and mother going down there, they did not know that God was going to have his way in Samson's life regardless of Samson's choice. He was making bad decisions, but God was going to use that bad decision. He knew Samson. He intervened in Samson's life. And Samson had the ability to cut off that flow of God's grace. Just like we do. That's a scary thing. To cut it off, to hold it, to put a tourniquet around the blessings of God and say, God, I'm on my own and I'm fine. I can handle this. And all the while, he's got life he wants to pour into you. And you've got a death strangle on that tube that's coming down from God. I believe Samson had his hand around that spout where the blessings come out. For he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. Why? Is it because God is just mean? Is it because God is a bigot against the Philistines? Even with Samson's problems and issues that he had, God gave him every opportunity. God was continuing to give him opportunity. We're going to see that later when he brings a lion out in front of him. I believe that was God's way of getting his attention. Samson, what are you doing? What are you doing in this vineyard? Why are you drinking this wine, Samson? What are you doing? Hello, Samson. Anybody home? The lights are on, but nobody's home. Right? And the Philistines, they would be a thorn in the side of Israel. 
So verse 5, So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and his mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. You know, it's that his, his father and his mother should have never consented to do this. They knew what God had spoken to them before his birth, and yet they went along with it. You know what? Folks, if you have children, the best thing you can do for them is to be a parent, not to be a friend. You can be a friend after they move out of the house. When they get married and have kids, you can be their friend then. But you're really never, you'll never cease to be, you'll always be their parent is what I'm saying. Be a parent. And so many parents today are just caving in to their sons and their daughters' whims and desires. There's no governor in the life. Just whatever feels good, you know. Oh, you honey, you want that? Okay. Do you want that iPhone when it's wide open and you can access anything you want, even though you're only five years old? It's okay. It's okay, honey. Yeah, any YouTube video is open to you. In fact, we're not going to put any restrictions on it at all. I know you're only three years old. That's okay. I know you're still nursing a bottle, but it's okay. You can have that iPhone, honey. You can look at whatever you want. I'm being facetious, but you get the point. We've got to be a parent. And they were not being a parent to him. Instead of being a parent, okay, Samson, whatever you want. Maybe he was one of these kids as he was growing up just throwing a tantrum in Wegmans, you know, wanting the, wanting the butterfinger there in the, uh, in the checkout line, and you're saying, no, you can't have it. What do you mean I can't have it? Put it back. Put it back, Rob. Put the can't. What do you mean? I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. And then you start, and then the volume goes up, and you can hear everyone around you is going, oh, no. I've seen it happen. I've done it myself. I can hear it. I'm pushing my little cart in Wegmans, and I can hear a, a mother saying, put that down. No. Put that down. No. And then you can hear the mother wrestling it out of her head. I can hear it in the other aisle, right? I can hear this happening. You can hear the bag of chips, and they're pulling on the bag of chips. And then the kid starts to squeal. Then they got to call on the SWAT team. Put it down. Put it down. It's horrible. But Samson's parents... They didn't do this. They should have. And notice here that it says that, that there's, there, there's things in this verse that we don't always get. Because if you read it the way it is, it sounds like you know his, his mother and father were right there with him, physically, right next to him, all the way down to Timnah. And then it says, and came to the vineyards of Timnah. And so we believe that he kind of made a little sojourn off into the, into, the, into the vineyards, where he shouldn't have been anyway, because guess what? As a, as a man who had a Nazarite vow, being in a vineyard was not a good place. It's like an alcoholic walking into a liquor store. Not a good idea. It's like a drug addict walking into a pharmacy where they got all the oxycodone and the hydrocodone, all there are labeled in just plentiful amounts, copious amounts of it, and there's nobody around. And that's what it's like. It's like a drug addict walking in, and there's nobody there, and he's looking around, and there's even no cameras. Right? He shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been there. So he leaves the path. He goes into the vineyard where he shouldn't have, begin, shouldn't have been to begin with, and then he, he sees this lion and we know in Numbers chapter 6 that this is one of the things, that there's so many things wrong about this. He shouldn't have been there. Let me just read to you quickly Numbers chapter 6, just the first eight verses, because this is the vow that Samson took. This is the vow that was placed upon him from his mother's womb. 
In Numbers chapter 6, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite, a Nazarite is really just somebody who is separate. That's what it means. It means holy and separate. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.